I uh, recently became a father. Thank you. Became a father for the fourth time. Never as so much applause on that part. Really, no applause. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. The good news is we live in a two-bedroom apartment, so I caught it through. I haven't slept in seven years. Four kids. Bedtime is a crisis. That's why I'm here right now. It's too hard. They act like they've never been to sleep before. Bed? What's that? No, I don't want to do that. Then it becomes some hostage negotiation, but in reverse. Look, if you stay in there, I will give you whatever you want. I will meet your demands. What do you want, a helicopter to Cuba? Anything. Just stay in there. There's always one awake. Like they're taking shifts. All right, I'll annoy them from midnight to two. Who wants three to six? Now let's lie down and practice kicking them in our sleep. Because my wife has instituted this open door policy where if one of our kids has a nightmare, they're welcome to come in our room and pee in our bed. Luckily, that only happens every night. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and I can tell we have guests in the room because you're going, I don't know whether to laugh in church or not, or exactly, we're kind of shifting gears, going from first to third without using the clutch. And so it's okay to laugh. And, uh, and, and is that clip not so true? Not that I have four, co- four kids, God, thank you. But, but some of you do. And so it was just like, this is what we're talking about this weekend. And that is, I'm too tired to parent. If you parent kids, have you ever, I don't care if you've got one, have you ever felt like that? The rest of you are lying or you don't have children. I'm just telling you. It's, that, it's a full contact sport. And so we're in this series uh, called Parental Guidance. And uh, we talked a little bit last week and kind of set everything up and kind of gave a foundations. And this week we're talking about what do you do when you feel too tired to parent. Next week we're going to look at what does the Bible say exactly what we should be doing and, uh, and then the last week, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about the impact of social media and how we parent through uh, technology, in essence. Because you can't just tell your kids, do this, don't do that. And you, can't, you wish you could just take them completely out of the world and then just inject them about age 18. But then that's just hell on wheels. And so you can't do that. So how do you deal with that? And how do you kind of surf through that? And that's what we're going to be talking about. I, I want to reiterate again something I said last weekend. And that's this. Parenting is not about perfection. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect parent. Tammy, my wife, we're not perfect parents. We don't have perfect kids. That doesn't exist either. And, and so we're just kind of journeying through the Bible and what it has to say. Uh, and so if, you are, if you're a young family and you're in the thick of this, this may really speak to where you are. If, uh, if you are an empty nester, you may just say, thank God, I'm, I'm past that. 
And uh, I don't know how many of you have kids that are at the uh, student life retreat, but I have two children, and they're both at the retreat. And I thank God for our student ministries at Life Church. They've been gone for two nights. It was just awesome. I mean, we went to a movie last night. We went, we went out to dinner. There was no drama. There were no texts. There were no interruptions. There was no, we weren't at cab service for a while at all. And I see some of you, their empty nesters are laughing at me because you're just like going, yeah, this is our life all the time. And so, and, and, then, and then today it was just like, we got like a full night's sleep. And then, and then to, we had to have anybody going anywhere this morning. And then it was just, let's just go have breakfast somewhere. And we just had breakfast, no drama. I have two girls, and one's in middle school and one's in high school, so I live in the Hormone Hilton. And so it's just drama all the time. And I was not raised with any, uh, I have no sisters. And so I have, this is a whole new landscape for me. And so anyhow, uh, it's just great. And then it'll come back till tomorrow. Oh, this is awesome. Awesome. Stinking awesome. I'm giving the student pastors a pay raise when they get back. It's just, just great. So maybe you're not that excited, but, but I am. And so, so have you ever been at that place where you felt too, parent to, too tired to parent? Uh, I'm telling you, it was a, this fall, the last time this has happened to me, just a couple months ago. And I came in, and it was one of those moments where I had been working. I was at the office and contrary to popular opinion, pastors work more than just the weekends. And so I know how some of you think. And so I was, I was, I was at the office. I was coming in. It was about 530 or whatever. And I had, there was a total meltdown at the top of the staircase with one of them. And I won't say whom because I cannot give names or reference them directly from the pulpit since they're now in middle school and high school. But there was one that was just complete. It was just drama. Just, oh, my goodness. And, 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 and then the other one was just slamming doors everywhere she went, just slamming doors, you know, kind of a deal. And so I looked at my wife, and I said, this is hormones at its height. I'm going to leave for a while, and I'll be back when everything kind of settles down. And she looked at me, and she said, good, just go. And I was like, okay, I'm out of here, right? It's just like, just, I can just tell, it's just one of those days. You have those moments, you have those days. And so what do you do? Because parenting is a 24-7 job, unless you have your kids gone to camp. That's the reason why I promote camp, mission trips. No, I'm just teasing. There is spiritual benefit for your kids. But it's great as a parent, hallelujah. And, but what do you do? Here's what happens when you become too tired to parent. A couple of things happen. First of all, discipline becomes inconsistent. You begin to discipline inconsistently. Uh, when you become too tired to parent, uh, what happens with, with, with tired parents is that discipline has a tendency to change from something that you do for your child to something that you do to your child. And that's not a healthy situation. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, like a city whose walls are broken through or broken down is a person who lacks discipline. There's no security. There's, there's no structure. There's, there's nothing that's there when you begin to discipline inconsistently. And this shows up in several ways. You, you, you may identify with, with one or more of these. One is, is that you see lifeguard parents. Lifeguard parenting begins to happen when you discipline inconsistently, discipline inappropriately. Um, you rescue your kids from their consequences. You're trying to save them from everything, whether it's bad grades, whether it's, it's the raft of the other parents when they get home, whether it is a, a, another kid that they're in school with. You're constantly trying to rescue them because it's easier to rescue them than to stop and teach them. Because let's just all be honest, especially once a child gets to be uh, at least that tweener age, that, that, that they get into double digits. At that point in time, you're, it's a lot of energy to explain and then to have to make them 
go do whatever they're supposed to do, it, it takes more energy on your part as a parent than what it does to actually just do it for them and lifeguard them. Another discipline issue happens when you begin to become too tired to parent is is etch-a-sketch parents. Etch-a-sketch parents. Remember the etch-a-sketch? You draw a line one day, then you erase it the next day. The line constantly moves, and, and, and a new line appears, and the lines are constantly changing. And so what was okay the other day is not okay now. What was, what was not okay is suddenly okay, and the line continues to change because it's, sometimes it's easier to move the line than it is just to hold firm, isn't it? It's easier just to go, I just don't care right now. I just, I, I am too exhausted to deal with you. And so I'm just going to move the line or I'm just not going to, I'm not going to enforce the line. I'm not going to enforce the discipline because I just don't want to deal with it right now. And, and another type of discipline that's inappropriate or, or, the, or that's the result of disciplining inconsistently is split decision parents. Where mom says one thing and dad says another thing. And mom and dad are not on the same page. And, and, and Johnny or Sally figure that out pretty quick, and they learn how to play you. And they play you really, 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 really well. And, and the problem is, is that sometimes it's easier just to stay on step, separate pages than it is to sit down and try to get on the same page, especially if both parents are working. Um, you're going one direction, your spouse is going the other direction, things are happening. Uh, if you put divorce or a blended family into this mix, it gets very chaotic very quickly because where are the lines? But, but I'm just going to help you with this, Mom and Dad. If you haven't established the lines, if they're not clear to you, they're non-existent to your kids. They have no clue. And so they're just going to, they're going to, they're, they're kind of like water. They're going to seek the path of least resistance. And so they're going to begin to play you to get what they want. All of these things result in, in inconsistency when it comes to discipline. Another thing that you do when you're too tired to parent is you elevate experience over relationship. We have a tendency, we all do this, to elevate experience over relationship because more activities will keep them busy. More things will keep them, keep, keep them occupied in essence. And so when my generation was growing up, uh, the Gen Xers, we were just put in front of televisions and video games. And so now they say, well, the kids at least need to have, like, what is it, NFL 60 minutes of play or whatever it is. So let's get them out and let's do this. But, so we, so we just, but we just swap one babysitter for another. Let's just keep them in sport after sport after sport after sport, activity after activity, activity after activity, just to try to keep them busy. Because it's easier to keep Johnny going to soccer and going to Boy Scouts and, and, and take them on, on, on this trip and that trip than it is just to sit down and relationally invest time. And that's very true, especially if you have a great income. And in the suburbs of Milwaukee, we have some of the best incomes, probably per capita in anywhere in the United States. And so there's money in the burbs, and there's money to be able to go. And, and we, what we do is we raise kids that, that are experientially rich but relationally poor because they don't know really how to, how, to, how to deal with things, and they don't know how to struggle through things, and they don't know how to talk through things, and they don't know how to talk to you about things. That's the reason why when you pull up to a fast food restaurant or a restaurant where you have high school kids that are working a drive-in window or wherever, they cannot articulate themselves to you. They, they, they sound like they have gravel in their mouth. They, they, they can't look you in the eye. And they don't have the ability to stand straight and to put their hand out and say, hello, hi, how are you? I am. And the kids that can do that will excel and they'll run everybody else. But the reality is that becomes smaller and smaller and smaller because kids are in so many activities and so many events, but mom and dad really haven't spent the time to sit down and relationally work with them and help them get to the place that they need to be. 
We're about many things, but not about the important things. I'm reminded in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, when Jesus is at the house of Lazarus and the two sisters of Mary and Martha, and Martha is about many things, and Mary's about one thing, and Martha gets upset with Mary, her sister, and she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, won't you talk to my sister? Won't you get her to help me? And Jesus replies in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, and indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, the problem is, is that Martha was about doing and Mary was about being. And we, as parents, and this is not grammatically correct, we do, we do doing very well. But being, incarnational living, me being there present in that moment to try to make those teachable moments uh, impact my child's life, that becomes much more difficult because it takes something out of us. And here's what happens. When I'm tired and, and my resources are depleted, uh, I'm not talking about financially so much as, as emotionally and spiritually, I just, I, 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 don't, I don't have it to give. And so that begins to happen. The other thing that happens when we begin to become too tired to parent is that we begin to model bad habits. We, we model bad habits. Uh, we get to the point where we don't even pay attention to the things that we're saying or doing because we're just trying to get through another day. And if you're a single parent, I'm just going to say this to you. My hat's off to you. I, I, honestly, I think you should probably be preaching this message more than me because I think I, I can't. Tammy and I have had this conversation. Parenting together as a tag team is, is pretty complicated sometimes. But to have one parent having to do a full court press with multiple kids, I can't imagine. And the reality is, is that sometimes you probably deal with this more so than, than and really have more of an excuse than anybody else in the room. And that is, is that there's, there's just so much going on that you're just trying to make it through yourself. And if you're in a marriage that's stressed and that's strained because of relational issues between you and your spouse or financial issues because of the economy or the environment or poor decisions or whatever, who cares how you got there, then what happens at some point in time is the immediate overtakes the important. That urgent takes place before the important takes place. And it just, it drowns it out. And, 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 and in, even in a moment of weakness, we can say things and do things that can hurt our kids. And nobody wants to do this. And nobody talks about this, not in public settings. But I'm going to tell you, like as a dad, there have been times where I have blown my stack. Like I have just been mad. I have been like this roar of a lion comes out in me. It's just like, whoa, this is not healthy. I just need to stop and walk out of the room, go walk around the block, deal with this tomorrow. I just had to look and just go, I'm so upset right now. I don't have the ability to have a conversation. So so because I don't want to say something that I'm going to regret, I'm going to refrain from the situation at this point in time. Um, that's hard to do. And I haven't always done that. I'm just going to be honest. Again, this isn't about perfection. I'm, I'm trying to be as vulnerable and as transparent as I can. And there have been those times where you went, man, I, I said something that I did not mean to hurt. But, man, it came out. And, and especially as your kids get older, they're, 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 they've become full-grown adults, but they're just not emotionally mature enough to handle some conversations. And so you're coming at them because of their size and their stature, like they're full-grown, but their emotional uh, well-being is completely not that. And so 
You know, the Bible tells us that we as parents are to be an example. Titus chapter 2 verse 7 says that in everything, set an example by doing what is good and your teaching showing integrity and seriousness. That we are to be those that are to keep that together. We're the parents. That's difficult to do. And I'm just being honest with you and saying, I strive to do that, but that's not always been the way it's happened at the Cole household. And there's been times I've had to go back to my children and just say, I'm sorry. I lost my cool. That's the reason why I had to, had to go take a walk around the block. I, I'm sorry. Um, you know, and, and there's been times where Tammy and I together have had to sit down and work a strategy together to kind of go, this isn't healthy. We're both, and we both can't be, oh my goodness, if we're both off on the same day, it's really not good, you know, because it just, and it happens. And, and so, you know, the Bible even says, I'm just thinking about this, we'll talk about this later, but fathers don't exasperate your children because men, it's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to push them and to drive them instead of lead them and train them. And it just happens. And especially, you know, I'm just thinking of my own situation, you know, my dad kind of dealt with us like how a coach would a player. I mean, when, when I played football, if the football coach grabbed your face mask, when he got done talking to you, which was very direct and very, you know, sometimes explicit, you had no questions what he was trying to tell you that he wanted you to do on the next play. And so Reen raised in a household full of, 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 of boys, just, it was everything, just everything was. It was just, there was no, there was nothing left of the imagination. Here's what it is. Here's what's going to happen. Boom. With girls, oh my goodness. It's like, why is she crying, Tammy? What's going on? I, I didn't even, I just walked by her. I didn't even say anything this time, you know? And you just kind of like, oh, Lord, help. So there's just those moments, and you feel, you know, or you try to go in and have the pep talk, and all of a sudden she's just, <laughs> and I'm like, Tammy, Tammy, come here quick. I told the other day she was feeling sick, and I said, you, you, you've been battling with this for a while. You have to go to the doctor. And she goes, why do I have to go to the doctor? Because you're not leaving me with the babies. You're, you're not leaving me here this side. I mean, you, you, you better make sure that everything was fine. But you better make sure that, you know, you don't have, like, pneumonia and you die on me and something crazy happens. Then I have to raise two teenage daughters. And, of course, she's still laughing at that. But um, it's just that, that deal. So, so what do we do? How do we try to work through this I'm too tired to parent? Let me give you some thoughts. And let me say this. I think this is true in any message, sermon, series, conference, uh, conversation, coaching interaction that you have if, you have, if you deal with that in a professional setting. I do not believe, I, I think that by the time, let me say it this way, by the time you're in your mid to your late 20s, the concrete's kind of dried on, on how you're going to do things. It's kind of set up in essence, okay? And, and I think what happens is, I do think that there are some exceptions to that where there are sweeping changes, but those happen, after, uh, those happen as a result of huge life change, huge crisis moments, uh, kind of come to Jesus, you know, God-altering moments, right, that just revolutionize us. But the reality is, is that for most of us, progress from our mid-late 20s on happens in forms of what I call tweaks, not sweeping changes. They're not so much paradigm shifts as they are tweaks or, or, or moderate changes that we begin to make. And so in any message, in any series, in any conversation, don't take everything and just go, okay, I'm just changing everything, right? It's all got to change today. What I would say is, is that one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us 
is when something resonates with us. As I am preaching God's word and I'm teaching God's word, I'll say something that will go, there's something to that. That's something I need to marinate on. That's something I need to process. That's something I need to spend some time on. That's something, or you know what? I need to do that. I need to make that change. And and, and sometimes it's just good old-fashioned conviction of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, he's talking to you. Matter of fact, God is talking to you right now through that person that's speaking, and you need to make a change. This is a red flag, warning light, siren moment in your life where all the alarms are going off, and you better change or the consequences that you're going to face are going to be huge. What I would say to you is in this message or in this series or anything, just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and let him minister to you. And don't try to look. That's the reason why I started this series and I'll end this series saying this. It's not about perfection. Following Jesus is not about perfection. It's not in my trying. It's not in my strength. It's not in my works. It's by his grace that I'm saved. It's by his grace that, that the anchor holds in my life. It's by his grace that I am where I am. And all of us are. And so I just want to encourage you. Because at this point, you probably kind of go, dude, I just did like two of the three things you just talked about. And, and, and I'm just really feeling horrible about myself. And, and so I just want to help you to say, don't try to make sweeping changes as much as what's one thing you can do out of today's message. Or one thing that you can ch- change that would begin to create a, a change. It may seem small. Uh, and even micro in the moment, but can can have macro or large effects and results in your life. So some helpful thoughts when you're too tired to parent. First is be intentional. Strive in your parenting to be intentional. Basically, parent with the end in mind. This is not always going to be this way. They're not always going to be that size. If you're a young parent and you have little kids, and an older parent or grandparent walks by you and says, enjoy that because they're not always going to be that age. It's because it happens so fast, so quick, so quick. And you're looking at pictures or you're looking at video or whatever, and you just go, how did they grow up? How, how did that, I mean, just, it just happens so, because in the moment it feels like forever. When you're, when you're up to your eyeballs in diapers and babies screaming and crying, it feels like forever, but, but it doesn't always last. And, and so it's all in a season. And so you have to parent with an end in mind. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You, mom and dad, have to make a decision together that you're going to be intentional. And that decision makes what happens is, is what Joshua was doing here is he makes a statement. And when you go public with your statement, when you go public with what you feel and what you think, when you become intentional in those areas, what happens is it puts you on the radar. It, it makes it public. So you, then you're able to be held accountable for it. It does something mentally to you to say, you know what, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to be intentional on in how I'm going to lead my home and how I'm going to raise up my kids. And so I'm going to try to the best of my ability to keep things to remind me that, that they're not always going to be this age or it's not always going to be this awkward or, or, or I am going to get through this or I am going to see them graduate. I, I am going to see them go on and, and move out of the house. Please, God. I, I'm going to see that happen, but I'm going to be intentional. And, and uh, sociologists tell us that, and, and this is biblical as well, that, that every child needs time and touch and talk. Every child needs time. You have to spend time. 
There's this, there's this thing, well, it's quality time, not quantity time. No, it's both and. It's just, it's the presence of being, and we don't do this well in our culture. It's, um, this is something, too, that in the first century, and even the Old Testament, they would have understood very well. This is something that the Jewish culture historically did very, 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 very well. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. It's just my presence of being there helps bring a certain amount of peace and rest. It's, it's not about, it's not just about me, you know, coming in and having to do something that's exciting or coming in and taking my kids to, again, relationally poor, uh, experientially rich. It's not about me taking them to do something. Sometimes it's just about me being there. My dad got home from work at 4.10 every afternoon. I'm 42 years old. I have not lived at home since I was 18. And I still remember what time my dad got home from work. Why? Because it was every day. Plant, he got off at 4 o'clock. And uh, unless he was working a late shift, he got off at 4 o'clock, and it was a 10-minute drive from General Electric to our house. And it was just, my, my dad was not this, like, hands-on, like, you know, let's go do this and let's go do It was not like that at all. You know, my dad would come in, and if we did something wrong, he'd bark at us, but we knew he loved us, right, kind of a deal. And, you know, and he would, it was, they, you know, he would watch the evening news, and we would be going. But I just knew he was there. It's the presence of being. It's, it's just that I am being there. It's just being home. It's just being around. It's not, even, it's not even this, I have to interact. It's just, I'm there. I'm there. Um, and just knowing that they're there. I mean, even as a 42-year-old guy, I'm just thinking about this now as I'm talking. My dad turned 68 this last week. So I didn't tell my mom at all or my dad, but I, I hopped a plane and flew to Memphis and I was on I-55, which if you saw the news, there were people that were stuck for 30 hours on I-55 because Arkansas had snow and ice. I know that's no big deal for us, but there it was crazy nuts. And so I, it literally took me four hours, but I took all these old back roads, farm roads that I knew how to get, get around, and I was zipping and zagging and getting to where I needed to go. And I show up at my parents' house, and, and they're totally surprised that I'm there and surprised. And then they were even more surprised because they're saying, hey, the, 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 the interstate was shut down. And I said, I took all these old farm roads and da 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 And we were talking about that. I'm just saying, I know where my parents are. Even today, there's a certain amount of calm that that brings to me. Even with your kids, knowing that you're there, knowing that you're together, knowing, just knowing, there's a certain amount of knowing that rhythm sets them at calm that time. Things like touch, you know, boys need to wrestle and fight uh, in, a, in a healthy manner, and, uh, and, and girls need that cuddle time. And so, you know, uh, and, and, and I've had to learn this, although I've tried to teach my daughters how to wrestle and fight. It's a lot of fun. A couple black guys, but we're okay. So them with each other. I don't give them black guys, just so you don't know that. But, but I mean, just it's that deal because you just need that. It's that interaction. It's that, it's that, it's that, 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 that time, that, that touch. And um, they even said to me the other day, they said, Dad, we used to all the time do these little daddy-daughter dates and watch a Disney movie and all this. And we don't have to watch a Disney movie, but, you know, they wanted to watch some, like, sappy, you know, chick flick that I said, I'm not watching that. And we can go watch the blow-up movie and, and you know, but, I'm, I'm not, but anyhow, it was just one of those deals where she said, Dad, can we just go and just, just do, it's that, there's that time. It's that touch. It's, it's, it's talk. You know, you have power to speak life and death. That's what the Bible says. The power of life and death is in the tongue. How you talk to your spouse 
is how they are going to expect either be talked to or how they're supposed to talk to their spouse when they grow up. Men, how you address your wife in private, not in public because they're not paying attention in public, in private, is how your daughters are going to expect to be talked to and your sons are going to, te- are going to talk to, their, to your daughter-in-laws. How your boys, mom, hear you talk to your husband and interact is how they're going to expect a woman to talk to a man and how they're, what, what their expectation is going to be and how they're going. This is total interaction. It, we, we see this, how we talk to one another, that, that there's power there. And the same thing is true when you breathe life into your kids and they believe that you believe in them. And that doesn't mean that you don't have some really direct, direct conversations. I'm not, understand, I'm not one of these kind of kids that think every kid needs a ribbon. I think that's crazy. I think there's a first place, there's a second place, there's a third place, and there's honorable mention, and that's it. And we live in a day and age where these kids get these trophies. For what? I'm just giving, I'm venting a little bit, but I'm just saying. So, so some parents going to email me, you're just so harsh. You have issues. I've told you I have issues, but I'm just telling you what my issues are. So I do think that is. I think they need to know how to lose. Because they're going to lose. They're not always going to make the team. They're always going to make the cut. They're always going to get the job. They're always going to get the promotion. And failure teaches you more about yourself than success ever does. So, so, so walking through that, but, but talking to them and speaking that to them, but also building them up. There are times where your kids feel, or my kids, we, they, our children feel so deflated by this world. And, and even just, I watch this too, the interaction between young men and young women, you have to talk about that. What's appropriate, what's inappropriate? I, I was out in a public place, I won't say, and I heard a young man talk to a young, a young woman. And the young man was, was as much a man as he's going to be. I mean, he was full grown. But he was still, he was like 16, and she was 14. And I looked at him, I said, excuse me, son? I didn't know who he was. And he looked at me, I said, I don't know you guys at all, but you don't talk. You don't. And he looked at me like, who are you, old man? What are you going to say? <laughs> of course, I told him, if you're froggy, just jump. There's all there is between me and you is air and opportunity. No, I didn't say that. But, <laughs> but it was just one of those moments where you're going, and you realize there's been no conversation at home about what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. What's appropriate for a young woman to hear from a young man and what's not appropriate. And, and what's appropriate for a young man to say and not to say. So I'm just saying in the context, there's power of words that we have to teach our kids and, and spend that time. I'm even reminded of what God said when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist and his public ministry was beginning. It's one of the only times in Scripture where God speaks audibly. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. If Jesus Christ... The son of the living God needed verbal, audible affirmation from his father. How much more do our children need it from us? It's just that time just to be intentional. Next is to kind of begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Sometimes you hear life is a marathon, not a sprint. I I would say it's more like a relay than a marathon. Because you're going to pass the baton on to the next generation. And what are you passing them? Who are you raising up? The goal is to raise up young men and women who their greatest ambition in life 
isn't to be some corporate something or other or be some executive something or other or have some academic degree or degrees or to live in a particular neighborhood or make a particular salary or marry marry to a particular family. But the greatest ambition that our kids should have in their lives is to be followers of Jesus Christ. Because if, 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 and that the will of God for their life should be the highest ambition for their life. Because if God knows them, and he does, and he loves them, and he does, and he takes care of them, and he does, then why wouldn't we just want them to follow what Jesus wants for their life? So we have to lead with that in mind. We have to begin with the end in mind. And, 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 and trust in that to try to raise them. And in those moments where we just feel, I'm just too tired to realize, does this situation, is it really going to matter 20 years from now? Is, is, is this really going to matter in the light of, uh, of their lifetime? I'm reminded of a verse, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become wary in doing good, but at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. They're not always going to be at this stage. They're not always going to try your patience. This too shall pass. Just understand that as you begin this journey, it's not just a marathon, but it is a relay that you're passing on. Next thing I would say when you feel too tired to parent is be refreshed. I know that's kind of like easier said than done. Be refreshed. Let me remind you what scripture says. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When the burden becomes heavy, and there are seasons, and the yoke becomes hard, the harnessing of life becomes hard. We're not always doing it right. I'm not saying that there aren't going to be some tough days. I'm not saying there aren't going to be some hard conversations. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying that there aren't. I'm just saying that we're to trust the Lord. We're to trust Christ. We're to lean so heavily on his word that if it were to move, we would fall. It's just like the song we sang just a few minutes ago. His word unfailing. God will never fail his word. And we have to stand on that. Even when everything in our situation, everything in our circumstances seems like it's telling us something completely opposite. We are people of faith. We're not people of sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So we, we, we speak things that are not as though they are. And there are times where we try to take it on ourselves and we try to, just like a pack mule, we just try to just put more and more and more. And, and, and our payload capacity, it's beyond us. And for some of you, you just need to give it to God and go, I can't do this because you can't. I, I can't be this for my child because you can't. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. And it's things like, are you taking your Sabbath? What do you mean? The Bible says that we are to take a Sabbath, that one day of the week, six days we should work, and one day we should rest and refrain from our doing. I don't have time to do that. What's one of the Ten Commandments? So do you think God would ask you to do something that you don't have the ability to do? No. The Bible says very clearly. 
that he would never put on us more than what we could bear. He would never ask us to do more than what we had the ability to do. The question then becomes, you may have to move some things around in your world, but we are not, we are not designed to run 24-7. I'm telling you, I, I am as borderline workaholic as you're going to find. I am as type A, competitive, drive, drive, drive. But if I don't take time away and I don't refresh myself, I don't recreate myself, I don't have that Sabbath, I am, I, I'm, I'm horrible for everybody. The people that work with me, the, the people that I work for, uh, uh, my family, it, it's those types, are, are those types of things. Am I being refreshed? Am I renewing my mind? What do you mean by this? Romans chapter 12, verses two says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we renew our mind by spending time in God's presence. We renew our mind by spending time in the word, but I'm running so fast and maybe you need to evaluate that. Are you taking care of your body, sleep, exercise, and eating? This is big. This is really big. And, but what I'm saying to you is these things, all, all, they all play a part. And I understand you may be in a season. But again, I'm not asking you to make sweeping changes. I'm just asking you to evaluate yourself. But when you're not taking a Sabbath, when you're not spending time allowing your mind to be renewed in God's word, when you're not taking care of your physical body, and you're constantly running your kids from point A to point B to here to there to here to there to here to there, at some point, at some point, it's going to come apart. At some point, you're going to hit burnout. At some point, it doesn't matter what the bills say. It doesn't matter what the mortgage company says. It doesn't matter what any, at some point, it's going to come apart. And you, you, you can be the best dress in the house. You can have to look like the perfect family. You can have everything together. But you know, if I'm talking to you right now, you're not spending any of that time and you're totally drained. You're totally, you've got to reorganize and reprioritize some things in your life. And you know this. I don't, you don't even need me to tell you this, but to be refreshed. Because there's no way that we can do what God's called us to do any other way other than to trust in him and do it his way. And the last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to close, is if you're too tired to parent, you need to learn how to be forgiven. Be forgiven. As a parent, we feel the need to be perfect all the time. We feel the need to be flawless. Even in a message like today, I mean, there's a certain amount of weightiness behind the matter. And you make mistakes. Listen. Every single person that parents makes mistakes. I should have I I been that hard. I should have had more grace. You know what? I should have been tougher in that situation. You know what? I shouldn't have let, man, I should have did this. If I would have just, if I just, and, and especially if you've raised kids, you can armchair quarterback your decisions. And the reality is a past is a past. But rather than beat yourself up, why don't you forgive yourself? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. For my grace is all you need. For my power is greatest when you are weak. That's what the Bible says. It's not only by his grace that we're forgiven, but it's his grace that's going to make up the difference. Can I just let you in on a secret? 
God gave you the children that you have because he knew what you could handle. I, I believe this with all my heart. And I'm not at liberty to, to express some things personally. Tammy and I have talked about even with our own girls and just some things that we, we see God's hand in. And there are times where you get frustrated and there are times where you feel inadequate and there are times where you feel like you've made some mistakes and some wrong decisions. And maybe you have. But if you'll step back for a minute and you realize if you really believe the Bible, that children are a blessing from God, that God will never give you what you cannot handle. That he's given you your children and the situation and the circumstances full knowing what's going on. The Bible says that God knows the beginning from the end. He's alpha and omega, beginning and the end. That means first and the last. Before this world was ever formed, God was here. And this makes no sense to me, but this is what the Bible says, because we're going to live together with him in eternity. But when this world is over, he will still exist. Beyond you and beyond me. God's not bound by time. He's not bound by space. It's like he can freeze time because we look at time as very linear. He can freeze it and look at it in any particular direction and dynamic that he wants to because he's God. And in his infinite wisdom from the beginning of man to the end of time, he chose you and gave you your children with their personalities, with their makeups, with their dispositions, with their weaknesses, with their strengths, with all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he gave them to you because he knew that he could trust you with them. So before you say, I'm not worthy, none of us are. And before you go bad on yourself and you go, but you don't understand, I failed. I get it. I don't know any parent that feels like I was flawless in my skills as a parent. Most parents go, oh God, help me. I just made it through that one. But God knew. And maybe the thing that you need is just to understand that his grace is sufficient for you, even in your moment of weakness. You're a single mom and you just go, I don't know that I can do this. You can't, but he can through you. So let him go back. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to that verse and said that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And right now I am failing miserably, God. I am as weak. I am as worthless as anything. And I need this verse to be true. If it ever needs to be true in my life today, it needs to be true. And he shows up. Why? Because he's not a man that he would lie. He's bound by the principles and the promises of his word. And when his word says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he is writing a check that you can cash at any time. When his word says that my strength is made perfect in your weakness, it is something that you can go to the bank on. So instead of trying to be the perfect parent, because nobody is. Instead of trying to beat whoever you think the perfect parent is, because every one of you have an ideology, you have a name, you have a couple, you have a person that you go, well, if I could just be like so-and-so, and I'm telling you, they're not as good as they look. I'm just telling you. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. If you knew how jacked up it was at their house, you'd thank God for yours. I really believe that. I believe we're all jacked up and we're all flawed. If we really knew how, ever, how flawed we all really are, I think we would give each other a lot more grace. We'd love one another. We'd all be a little bit more likable and tolerable. But there's something in our head that just kind of goes, well, no, 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 no. 
Give it to him. He understands and he knows. And if you've raised your kids and you grieve over past decisions, I know this is much easier said than done. Let it go. He's the only one that can make the difference, and he will. So here's what I want to do today. I want to pray. I want to pray for every parent in this place that God's going to do exactly what his word says that he will do. And I'm going to ask, as I started this message, that whatever that whisper of the Holy Spirit, that resonating with the Holy Spirit, that thing that it was said today that you went, that's a change I need to make, that God will give you strength to make that change because he knows your situation.